There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. The following podcast contains adult content, explicit language, and sexual themes. Listener discretion is advised. And it contains murder. Lots and lots of murder. You stinking bastard. People tell me, hey, you're going to go die and go to hell. I mean, I'm not alone. Down for 911, where's your emergency? Oh, this is Sandy. We're pretty one look. Talk to the road. What's Send the problem? Police. Send the police. One in the chest, one in the hip. Fired by Detective Sergeant Roger Rogerson. I was uh, branching out. That's when the cannibalism started. Eating of the heart and uh, the arm muscle. Oh, I wear a male car with his hands to a coffee table and just, and just pull it out of his backside. Carl Williams is a wobbly bottom little cher- cherub face, cherub face little boy who would do it, whose life would be. I'd harm someone if done it. Kill someone to be an enormous amount, uh, especially at first, uh, enormous amount of, of horror, guilt, remorse afterwards. But then that impulse to do it again would come back even stronger. Jade and Dion Lacey were bored rich kids who lived a thuggish life. Jade thought he was going to be a superstar rapper. They both carried guns, sold drugs around the Gold Coast and enjoyed a spot of biffo. One day their love of violence went too far and ended in a brutal murder. Hi, I'm Barney Black. And I'm Tara Saraban. And this is Bloody Murder. We're a comedy true crime podcast focusing on some of the lesser known crime stories from Australia. And indeed around the globe. As a comedy true crime podcast, we sometimes use humour to lighten up horrifying stories, but never at the expense of the victims or their loved ones. If you think comedy has no business being associated with tragedy, then Bloody Murder may not be the podcast for you. Now, before we commence our sordid tales, we'd like to remind you that this episode is brought to you by our wonderful and generous patrons. We've had quite a few new ones join our fancy Patreon program, which we will thank individually after our story. If you'd like to become a patron, go to our website for details. That's bloodymurderpodcast.com. As a patron, you have access to dozens of other episodes, including our Good, the Bad and the Sweary first season and ad-free versions of all our regular episodes. As well as exclusive patron-only episodes where we give pink eye to murderers and don't wash our hands afterwards. Ugh. Levels above $5 receive stickers and handmade Barney badges. And we just did another mail out. So, um, well, that'll get to you at some point, the mail being what it is today. Now, we're still in lockdown and recording separately. Yep, lockdown forever. We are officially grounded for life. All right, Tara, let's get murdery. Gold Coast boys Jade and Dion Lacey were born with silver spoons in their mouths. Their father, Ken Lacey, was a self-made multimillionaire and spoiled them rotten. 
At first glance, Daddy Ken looked like a regular businessman, but on closer inspection, the neck tattoos just visible above his collar and the fancy diamond stud in his ears gave some clues to Ken's tough beginnings. Ken was the son of a milkman and grew up in the blue-collar western suburbs of Melbourne. Dropping out of school in the early 1970s, he joined his father in the milk delivery business. At dawn, they cruised the bad streets of Melbourne rattling bottles. Delivering cow juice was seemingly innocuous to most folks, but in the 1980s, the milk game got taken over by local crime gangs and erupted into a full-on turf war. There's a lot of good raps about it, actually. I've, I've, I've heard and written some of those myself. Ken Lacey embraced the thug life and went in fist swinging. Punching his way to success, he bought milk rounds on the cheap, intimidating competitors with violence. Got milk, cunt! How about a punch in the face? In the book Badlands by Liam Houlihan, Ken Lacey boasted, We pid sugar in petrol tanks, cut tyres and assaulted truck drivers. But when we got that way, we sort of thrived on it. Whatever they did to us, we'd hit them back twice as hard. It was serious business. Sporting a mean mullet, he looked the part. The tattoo on his neck depicted the word REVENGE in capital letters. Beside it was an illustrated revolver. On the other side of his neck, also in capitals, was the word RESPECT. Words to live by, Tara. Mm. He also rocked some full-sleeve tats too. Were they My Little Pony themed? MLP for life, fuck yeah. Woo! Motherfucker! In his early 20s, he married his childhood sweetheart, Madeline, described in the media later as a buxom blonde cougar. They had three children together, two boys and a girl, whom they named Jade, Dion and Martina. Ah, which ones are the boys? Jade and Dion. Those are kind of feminine sounding names for like an alpha male father like Ken. Well, perhaps Madeline named them. Yeah, or maybe it's like a Johnny Cash boy named Sue situation. Give them a name they'll get picked on for to toughen them up as kids. Oh, yeah. Meanwhile, small milk companies were being hammered with industry deregulation and massive food companies were starting to dominate across Australia. But Ken was not only a brutish thug, he was also a bit clever. While other milk operators failed, Ken Lacey did more than hold his own. He bought up all the small operators on the cheap. It wasn't long before he had both hands firmly on the teats of Australia's milk industry and was in control of 15 million litres of the white gold. Ken's milky business, named Supreme Dairies, was worth millions and a bidding war ensued between international distributing giants, National Food and Parmalat. On the eve of selling his business to National Foods, Ken cut his hair into a reverse mullet. How would that even work? You wouldn't be able to see. Man, it's llamas can do it. So can he. Party at the front, business at the back. That's the one. Ken was so chuffed with his windfall and his rad haircut that he partied till 5am, then went to the casino for some hard-ass gambling till 9am, sculled some water and then went to the meeting and signed the papers. Ken was now richer than Richie Rich, dipped in rich old gold chocolate. Yum! Now, what do the nouveau riche do in Melbourne? Apart from going to Crown Casino? Yeah, Move to the Gold Coast? Bingo. Ken moved his family north and made a big splash in Australia's answer to Las Vegas, buying a few businesses, including a brothel called Club Lace. Tell me it was a milk-themed brothel. Hey, look, if you had the bucks, they had the strap-on udders. It wasn't long before Ken's face began making regular appearances in the Gold Coast social pages. Fancy. Ken spent his Friday afternoons at the champagne bar Luxes, which is sexual spelled backwards. Hey, baby. I think that's kind of dippets. What? Stupid backwards. 
I still don't get it. <laughs> of course you don't. After more than a few cocktails, Ken would belt out a few karaoke songs on stage. Now, the Gold Coast is an eclectic place, but colourful hard-nut Ken Lacey still stood out as a bit odd. When he wasn't assaulting the delicate ear nubs of Gold Coast punters with his warblings of Frank Sinatra's My Way, Ken was kicking back in his 10-room provincial mansion. Set on one and a half acres, it sported polished rosewood floors, cedar windows and French doors. Ooh la la! It also boasted a gym, a games room and a wine cellar. <coughs> Sex dungeon. <laughs> but it seemed that this McMansion was not big enough for the Lacey's. Two years later, they bought the ultimate Gold Coast mansion, this time on one of Queensland's richest streets. Hedges Avenue is where all the well-to-do new money rich live, including newsreaders and rugby players. Ken Lacey paid a record-breaking $6.5 million for the huge monstrosity, which was once used as an Australian base for diva Diana Ross. That's Miss Ross, if you're nasty. Set on Mermaid Beach, the massive triple-storey house boasted a huge pool and could have been used as an ideal location to shoot a rap video. The house was built by entertainment entrepreneur Michael Edgeley in the late 1980s. Ken renovated it, adding a nightclub-themed entertainment area. No shirt, no shoes, no problem! I wonder if it had a light-up revolving dance floor. I just don't even want to know if it doesn't. In my mind, it does. By now, Ken's oldest son, Jade, was in his early 20s. Private school-educated Jade had wanted for nothing but still wanted more. Problem was, he had no work ethic and had the deluded belief that he was going to become a famous rapper. Coming from the not-so-mean streets of Mermaid Beach, Jade went by the name of Lacey Italiano. He considered himself a ghetto hustler, a major drug dealer, and the world's best MC. He rapped in an American accent, performing with a hip-hop backing band named Waghetto. Oh dear, you know someone's going to tear us a new one for you just saying that, right? It's Sanomi's backing band, what am I supposed to say? You're supposed to just like do some gentle charades and hope someone gets it. They'd probably end up thinking I was saying something far worse. They probably would. And I am. Dion Lacey, four years younger than his brother Jade, blinged it up with his bro and they cruised the mean streets of the Gold Coast nightclub strip in their daddy's band's causing trouble. Now there's a name for white boys who emulate African-American hip-hop. Yeah, wiggers. Are we allowed to say that? Oh, well, that's the right word for it. These homeboy crackers were the ultimate wiggers. Mm-hmm. Roaming from nightclub to nightclub, they sported it fresh with Bronx winter street fashion like fur coats with hoods in the middle of summer. Even in winter, it's uh, hot on the Gold Coast. <laughs> knobs. Oh, don't call them knobs to their faces, Tara. Both Jade and Dion went around strapped. They had strap-on udders attached to themselves from the, from the brothel. Woo! Got milk? Yes, I do. They got guns. Ah, got guns? They carried handguns wherever they went. They would go to clubs, get blind drunk and super high and wave their pieces around, smack-talking anyone and everyone. In 2005, 18-year-old Dion pulled out his gun in Jupiter's casino and waved it in someone's face. That little stunt got him charged with going armed in public so as to cause fear. Or laughter. <laughs> Dion had a tattoo of two guns on his right arm and soldiers on his left arm. Jade, like his old man, chose to get his neck and throat inked. Now you're probably thinking, what did Daddy Lacey think of his punk-ass homeboy cracker kids? What did Daddy Lacey think of his punk-ass homeboy cracker kids? Oh, he loved them, Tara. Loved them to death. And he thought Jade Lacey Italiano was especially talented. 
So much so that Ken Lacey sold the Hedges Avenue mansion for a whopping $17 million, so he could relocate the entire Lacey family to the United States to further Jade's career as a rapper. Whoa! Like, what were they thinking? Um, East Coast or West Coast? New York? LA? No, somewhere else. Um, okay, uh, Detroit? Atlanta? Nope. Okay, uh, Philly? Chicago, maybe? Nah, Miami, Florida. Really? It's the rap capital of the world, homegirl. Yo, yo, yo. Ken Lacey said. We've been financially supporting him since he started in music and he's just beginning to do really well by making a name and a bit of money for himself. <laughs> he's really positive and I really think he's going places because of, he's good at what he does. If anyone can make it in this industry, it's Jay because everything he touches turns to gold. <laughs> And I'll be concentrating on my son's career by giving him a bit of advice and probably managing him as well. Oh, so he's going to get in the music biz too. Yep. Jade, well, Lacey Italiano, told Australian media that he was tight with 50 Cent. He also told them, There's not much of a market for rap in Australia, but Miami's where it's at because this is where all the big labels are. I recently purchased a studio and have all the top beat-making equipment, so I practically eat, sleep and live rap. Author Liam Hotlips Houlihan, in his true crime story Wiggers with Attitude, managed to track down some transcripts of Lace Italiano discussing keyboards on a hip-hop online forum, and we think this gives great insight into the mind of Jade Lacey. Don't have time for keyboard when you on the hustle 24-7. That's why I pull 10 Gs a week. But now it's time to kick back, relax and learn. I'm a rapper and always had producers just feeding me stuff. Appreciate the help. No time for haters. Get found on the curb with traces on my gators. Did that hurt your ears as much as it hurt my soul? <laughs> now, as we know, the most important thing in hip-hop is to be authentic. <laughs> Bankroll Daddy's boy Jay was far from it and soon enough he was sniffed out as a faker. He hit back at the disses with... You're wasting your time making beats when you got no one to flow on them. So take some advice from a walking franchise. Me! Money equal power and I got both. Take a walk down 57th Street, 15th Ave in Miami and see how you go running your mouth round that way. <laughs> When Australian hip-hop site posted a story about Jade Star selling his mansion to fund Jade's rap career, the haters came down even harder on Lacey Italiano. Uh-oh. Jade claimed it wasn't true and it was just a story to publicise the sale of the mansion. He told the haters he made his own big money selling drugs and he had to leave the Gold Coast because... The heat from the 5 was too intense. Yo, yo, yo! <laughs> he left them with some advice. Motherfucker, hustle hard and you get what you want. Hit the streets, no time for nine to five. It's all about the Benjamins, baby. Go find out who was pushing the weight on the coast. If you ate a pill, snorted a line of coke, start thinking where it all came from. All I can do is AK-47. Oh dear. Lace Italiano's groundbreaking rap music was not successful. In fact, we couldn't find a single song mentioned anywhere on the internet. And more's the pity because we really, 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 really wanted to hear one. We really did. Jade was all talk and unsurprisingly his music was not embraced in America or in Australia or bloody well anywhere. 
Wow. There must have been millions of haters that got found on the curb with traces of my gators. Yeah, he needed a lot more gators. <laughs> going to need a bigger gator. Within a year, Jade had returned to the Gold Coast with his inauthentic tail between his legs. Yo, 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 motherfucker. Oh, sad rap. <laughs> Gold Coast massive. With his little bro Dion, Jade was soon back to his old tricks, selling drugs and being a complete dickhole. In January 2006, a man was shot in the gut after an all-out brawl outside the Quest nightclub in Broadbeach. While one man was charged with attempted murder, Jade Lacey was also arrested after the fight. He was fined $1,000 for possessing drugs, a gun silencer and obstructing police. He also copped a further $1,400 fine for driving his Dars BMW unlicensed and giving a false name to the cops. My name's Tony Montana and I live on 123 Fake Street, Unicorn Town. Jade's next running with the law occurred when he enlisted the service of Lebanese hairdresser Felipe Hachiti. Jade paid Hachiti $1,600 to make his girlfriend Michelle look like Jennifer Lopez. <laughs> Just with hair? Yeah. <laughs> Jade was more than unhappy with the results and gave Hachiti a major touch-up. Oh, yeah, touch-up? He beat the living <laughs> shit out of him. Look, I'm not sure how a hairdresser can make someone look like Jennifer Lopez, but if anyone listening knows, please shoot me an email. I'm hoping for the like mostly like the ab boob butt situation. And if you can do that with hair. It mostly involves a lot of extensions. Further rambunctious behaviour took place in April 2007 when the Lacey brothers kidnapped and tortured 19-year-old Owen Matthews. Jade and Dion were under the belief that Owen had stiffed them in a drug deal. He hadn't. The Lacey's rocked up to Owen's house armed with baseball bats and demanded money. After telling the brothers it wasn't him and he had no money, here there is no cash, the Lacey's went at him with their baseball bats, repeatedly hitting him between his head and shoulders, breaking his teeth and causing Owen to spit blood. Jade also fired his pistol towards Owen's legs. They led Owen out to his car. Jade asked Owen how he was going to get the money. Owen told them that he had money and a heap of gear at another property at Kenilworth and gave the brothers directions. He also told them that the guy on the property had pounds of bush marijuana. But Owen had lied. There was no money or weed at the house. Owen made some phone calls in an unsuccessful attempt to get the key to the gate to the Kenilworth property. So the three of them jumped the fence and walked up the driveway to a house. They were met by a cranky old guy who said to Owen, What did I tell you about bringing people up here? Owen told the geezer he was in trouble. Jade Lacey said that Owen owed some people money for a drug rip-off and Owen asked the old guy for $13,000. The old guy laughed and said that he was poor and could barely afford to eat. Well, I'm poor I can barely afford to eat. Owen said, oh, I've already been shot at. And if he did not get the $13,000, he was going to get shot again. And the old guy had no fucks to give and told them to piss off or else I'm going to let the dogs off on you. The trio scampered back to the car. The whole situation infuriated Jade, who said to Owen, You made us drive all the way here for nothing. Stop fucking us about or you toast. This didn't seem to faze Owen, who continued to fuck them about. Well, he didn't have much choice, really, did he? Owen led them to two other addresses, hoping to find the people actually responsible for the drug rip-off. But nobody was at home. 
Eventually, the Lacey brothers drove Owen out to Ephraim Island on the Gold Coast where they had a flat. Still high on their own supply and wanting revenge, they took him by inflatable boat to a nearby sand island. As they walked onto the island through a gap in the mangroves, Owen Matthews dropped a piece of his Medicare card he had in his pocket, thinking that it might be found one day if he did not make it off the island. Dion Lacey threw a shovel to Owen and ordered him to dig. After Owen had dug out three or four shovels of sand, Jade told his brother Dion, It's too close to the other one. Owen was then ordered to walk a couple of metres away. Too close to the other what? Do they have like a little cemetery there or something? They were actually burying weed out there. Owen said to the brothers if he was going to die, he would rather not dig. I'm with you, Owen. Dion hit him hard in the face. Owen then dug the requested grave. We'll be back with the conclusion of the Notorious Lacey Brothers straight out at the Gold Coast after this. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Yo, 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 Bonnie! All that hustling and bustling and podcasting and ass blasting got you so busy, you ain't even checked what time it is. It's true crime nerd time. Hey! Woo! True Crime Nerd Time is an opportunity for you, our listeners, to give us your recommendations for anything true or fiction crime related. It can be a book, movie, TV series, graphic novel, song, or it could be a rap. Yo, yo, yo! <laughs> or just about anything that has scratched your crime-obsessed itch. You can record your voice. You could do a rap on your phone. We'll play it. <laughs> Except if it's from you, Tara. Oh, my God. I'm never going to live this down, and I like it. All right, it, and we'll read it out. And we have one here from Nicole, and she tells us about the book Why Does He Do That? Inside the Minds of Angry and Controlling Men by Lundy Bancroft. And she recorded her review, so let's hear it. My recommendation for True Crime Nerd Time is a book that has made a big impact on me, even years after I read it. It's a book by Lundy Bancroft called Why Does He Do That? Inside the Minds of Angry and Controlling Men. Though he does preface the book by acknowledging that abusers can be anybody. As many of Bloody Murder's stories have featured domestic violence, this book seems appropriate even though it's not recounting tales of specific crimes. The book goes into detail about Bancroft's observations on the early warning signs of domestic violence, different abusive personality types, the role of drugs and alcohol, what you can fix and what you can't, and how to get out of a relationship safely. According to his website, Bancroft is an author, workshop leader, and consultant on domestic abuse and child maltreatment. 
I've not been able to find any specific details on his qualifications, so I take the information from the book as one perspective to look at the issue, as many discussions on domestic violence are. My hope in recommending this book is for people to be able to have a reader-friendly way to start understanding more about domestic violence and give a resource to people that are in relationships they aren't sure about. As before, I hope people can look at the information critically and form their own opinions about how it applies to their experience, but it's a good starting point with many valuable pieces of information and perspectives. I also know that the book is available free online as a PDF, but you didn't hear that from me. Thank you very much for your time. Well, thanks, Nicole. That book is Why Does He Do That? Inside the Minds of Angry and Controlling Men by Lundy Bancroft, the details of which will be in the show notes. That recommendation sounds awesome. Thanks so much, Nicole. If you would like to submit to True Crime Nerd Time, visit our website, bloodymurderpodcast.com, for instructions on how to contribute. Now, Barney. Yes, Tara. Is it always going to be 2020? Well, it certainly feels like that, doesn't it? Yes. Is everything going on in the world at the moment and the way this year is panning out, interfering with your ability to be happy? Is something stopping you from achieving your goals? Have you had about as much as you can take and you're just not sure what to do about it? Or perhaps all of this is just making other stuff you have to deal with even harder. We're both big believers in therapy and there's no better time than now to take care of your mental health. BetterHelp is there for you no matter where you are. BetterHelp will assess your needs and match you with your own licensed professional therapist. You can connect in a safe and private online environment. And you can start communicating in under 24 hours. It's professional counselling that produces real results, not self-help. And you can communicate with your counsellor anytime. You'll get timely and thoughtful responses, plus you can schedule weekly video or phone sessions. All without having to leave the house. BetterHelp is committed to facilitating great therapeutic matches, so they make it easy and free to change counsellors if needed. It's more affordable than traditional offline counselling, and financial aid is available. And it's a service you can access worldwide. You can be communicating with licensed professional counsellors who have a broad range of expertise and specialise in areas such as trauma, anger, grief and self-esteem, as well as sleeping problems and relationship issues. Anything you share is confidential. It's convenient, professional and very affordable. If you want to start living a happier life today, connect with BetterHelp. And as a Bloody Murder listener, you'll get 10% off your first month by visiting betterhelp.com forward slash bloody murder. Join over 1 million people taking charge of their mental health. In fact, so many people have been using BetterHelp that they're recruiting additional counsellors in all 50 states of the USA. Get matched with a counsellor that suits you by simply filling out a questionnaire to help them assess your needs. If you don't believe us, check out the dozens of positive testimonials on their website. So visit betterhelp.com forward slash bloody murder. That's better, H-E-L-P dot com forward slash bloody murder. And now for the conclusion of the Notorious Lacey Brothers, straight out of the Gold Coast. With the grave completed, Jake told Owen to kneel in the hole with his hands on the top of his head. He heard a gunshot and felt a sharp pain on the left side of his skull. The bullet had only grazed Owen's noggin, but it hurt like fuck. Jade stood next to the hole, aimed the gun towards Owen's head once more and pulled the trigger three more times. The gun clicked, but it did not fire. Owen was told to get out of the shallow grave and he was asked again how he could get the money. Owen told them that he could try his mother who had just sold a house. Jade seemed to like this idea and asked Owen where he would like to get shot to prove they weren't joking. Owen said in the foot, Dion disagreed. Nah, fuck that, we'd have to carry him back to the boat. (laughs) 
Jade asked Owen to put out his hand. Owen put out his right hand and then quickly changed his mind and put out his left hand. Uh, right-handed, is he? Must have been. Uh, good thinking. Jade shot him in the palm, the bullet going right through. Owen recoiled in pain and took off his shirt and wrapped it around his bloody hand. The Lacey brothers put some black plastic on top of the hole, after which they took Owen back to Ephraim Island. Owen felt sick, lightheaded and scared, but he was relieved he was still alive. As they walked towards the unit block where the Lacey brothers lived, they encountered a security guard named Beardsley. That's kind of a dog's name. He would later give evidence of encountering the trio in the early hours of Monday, April 23, 2007. He said that one man, who was not a resident at the complex, seemed giddy, was laughing a lot and was carrying his shirt, which he waved around, and the other two men were behaving normally. The security guard saw nothing to concern him. You're a bit shit, Beardsley. <laughs> <laughs> The brothers took Owen to their unit where he was led into a laundry and the door was closed but not locked. Owen was told that if he tried to escape, he would be beaten up. Bruised and battered, Owen was not in a good way. He'd already been shot twice and was just too shit scared to make a break for it. Owen slept on the laundry floor. On the following morning, Dion told him that they were going to ring his mother. The brothers took Owen to their car and drove to Yatala. Owen then rang his mother and asked her to transfer $50,000 into his bank account. Ah, oh, the price had gone up from thirteen grand, I see. Yeah, quite steeply. Guess the Lacey's got a bit greedy. Owen told his mother that he had to pay that amount as a result of a rip-off in a drug deal and that he'd already been shot twice. His mother said she'd try to get the cash. They returned to the unit and Owen was again put in the laundry. Dion handcuffed Owen to a broom cupboard door handle. Owen unsuccessfully attempted to pick the lock with the remaining pieces of his Medicare card. Owen later asked for the handcuffs to be loosened, but Dion said that they'd lost the key. So he brought an electric grinder into the laundry and started to grind through the handcuff on Owen's hand. After Owen said that it was burning him, he was allowed to use the grinder to cut through the handcuff himself. Later that day, he was bundled back into the car and driven to various places in and around the Gold Coast, where they made him ring his mother to ask for the money again. He was driven to an ATM where he checked his bank account balance. The Lacey brothers were frustrated to see Owen's bank account displaying an insufficient funds message. Yeah, well, that frustrates the hell out of me too. Also, I don't think you can get 50 grand out of an ATM. No, you can't? No, I don't think so. Owen rang his mother again, saying he needed the money because he had had 15 pounds of weed which had been stolen. His ma heard a male voice in the background telling Owen what to say. Yo, yo, yo! About a half an hour later, Owen's mother received a text message saying, They're taking me back to the hole and they've already shot me twice. And she had an hour to put the money into his bank account and not to call the cops. Owen's mum rang the cops. <laughs> At about 12.30pm, Owen called his mother again. By this time, she was at a police station. He asked her if she'd put the money in the bank yet. She said that she had not and needed more time to get that sort of cash together. Owen was crying. He said he was in pain and said, I love you, Mum, before he hung up. Owen's mum tried to ring Owen every 5 or 10 minutes between 12.30 and 4.30pm but was unable to get through. Later that afternoon, she received a call from Owen. He said that if she put... $30,000 into the bank, they would let him go. Owen's mother said that she needed more time and asked to talk to whoever it was that had him. 
the phone was hung up. Ah, so the price has gone down to thirty grand now. Yeah, it's gonna it's gonna go down more. At nine thirty p.m., Owen phoned back and told him that if she put twenty thousand dollars in his bank account, they would let him go. She replied that she did not have twenty thousand dollars and needed more time. It's a Coen Brothers movie. After returning to the union, this is the biggest Aussie as we've ever Actually, had. Actually, this is quite a gigantic Aussie as, isn't it? Oh my god, yo yo yo! It totally is. After returning to the unit once more, Owen was once again put in the laundry where he spent a very uncomfortable night sleeping on the tiles. On the following day, Dion dumped Owen at a service station. It seemed that they had given up on the whole idea. (laughs) What is it hard to do, like having a rap career? Yeah. Owen phoned his mother to tell her he was all right, and he then went to the police who took him to the hospital. Jade and Dion Lacey were arrested the next day, but before that, they robbed another drug dealer, legging it with $70,000 worth of marijuana in a Louis Vuitton bag. And what of the missing drugs that started all of this kidnapping lark, I hear you ask? What happened with that? (laughs) A man (laughs) named David King claimed that he'd pinched the weed, which he'd hidden in a drain, and it was washed away in heavy rain, and he'd need time to repay his drug debt from his work as a tiler. You could, probably could have guessed that's what happened, huh? Yeah, it was like the most obvious thing. A few months later, King was seen handing Jake a thick pile of money in partial repayment. And a few days after that, he was seen handing over his motorbike as security. Out on bail, the brothers stepped up their crime game with a murder. They were both armed with pistols when they attended a fancy dinner party with their parents and grandparents at a swanky restaurant at Nobby's Beach on May 6, 2007. Hey, Nana, want to see my piece? Oh, that's lovely, dear. Is it real silver? Fucking oath, Nan. (laughs) After a delicious seafood meal, the boys drove out to a flat at Narang in the Gold Coast hinterland to score some cocaine before heading to a party in Brisbane. The tiny flat was already packed with six young men drinking and smoking meth. When they arrived, Jade noticed his friend, 23-year-old landscape gardener Kevin Palmer, was there. They shook hands and exchanged pleasantries. How's it hanging, cunt? Oh, fucking all right, cunt. What's going on with you? Not much, cunt. You? Not much. Jade then went outside with another of the men there, Atak Kuzdemir, to talk about procuring some nose candy. Inside, his brother Dion was getting antsy. Another bloke, Mahir L. Colded, was giving him the stink eye and he did not care for it. Dion stared him down and said, If you want something to look at, come outside. Others tried to defuse the situation, saying, No one is staring at anyone. Take it easy. It didn't work and Mahir and Dion began trading insults. You're fucking ugly and you can't get a girlfriend and you've got a fucking small dick. Yeah, well, I visited the place of your birth last night. What are you fucking talking about? I banged your mum. Jade heard them yelling and came back inside and said to Mahir, You got a problem with my bro? Just calm the fuck down. That way nobody gets hurt. This did nothing and more bad words were thrown around. The argument escalated when landscape gardener Kevin Palmer advanced on Jade Lacey. Jade pulled out his 38 and waved it at him, yelling, Step off, cracker, and sit the fuck down. Oh, and that's the fucking cracker calling the cracker a cracker, isn't it? <laughs> so many crackers. <laughs> it's like an entire packet of jets. Kevin did not step off and proceeded to go, Jade, saying, If you're going to shoot, shoot. If you're a man, shoot me. Come on, you're going to fucking shoot me. Come on, can't shoot. 
Jade raised his gun and shot Kevin Palmer just as he was turning. The bullet ripped through both his thighs. Because he was standing sideways? Yes. Ah, makes sense. Kevin stumbled backwards and grabbed a chair, throwing it at Jade. You fucking bastard, you shot me. To his brother's rescue from flying chairs, Dion stepped into the room and blasted Kevin with his twenty-five caliber pistol, hitting him in the chest. The bullet tore through Kevin's heart and lungs before lodging in his ribcage. He was dead before he hit the floor. Jade and Dion booked it out of there. Minutes later, police arrived to find a very dead Kevin lying on the floor, another chair firmly gripped in his hand, ready to lob at the laces. Oh, poor Kevin. I mean, it's not really fair to bring a gun to a chair fight. True that. Detectives had a plethora of witnesses to the shooting and all were willing to point the finger at the Lacey brothers. A manhunt ensued. Police raided their homes and busted both their girlfriends for cocaine possession, but the brothers weren't there. Both Jade and Dion had gone to ground. Police found a Versace shoebox full of cash and a notebook recording all of their drug dealings, all in Jade's handwriting. Also in the box were 161 ecstasy tablets, 20 grams of meth and eight boxes of testosterone. Oh, that makes sense, doesn't it? Elsewhere in the house, cops found guns, ammunition, a silencer, $5,000 in cash, scales and a nasty looking combat knife. The next day, the Lacey's lawyer contacted the police and told them that the murderous brothers were willing to turn themselves in. But three days later, the pair were still on the lam. The boys were front-page news with police telling the public not to approach them as they were armed and dangerous and terrible at rap. Daddy Ken Lacey did what any concerned father would do. He held a press conference. He believed his boys were innocent and said, oh, I just know it's false. They're not the type of kids that would do something like this. I've been trying to make contact with them, but I don't know where they are. Obviously, I'm a bit concerned. Do you really think he didn't know where they were? No. Nah, me either. He begged the boys to turn themselves in. The following day, flanked by high-priced lawyers and dressed in fancy Italian suits, Jade and Dion Lacey surrendered to the police. Both were charged with unlawful wounding and murder. What followed was a lengthy court case, delayed by tedious bail and evidentiary hearing after hearing, all bankrolled by Ken Lacey's fortune. So much money was spent on their defence, they even hired silk bigwig lawyer Robert Richter QC. Oh, he's the one that got Mick Gatto off as shooting Andrew Benji Veneman. Yep, that's right. Richter, again, like with Gatto, went for the self-defence angle. Well, Kevin Palmer was armed to the teeth with chairs. <laughs> he was. Richter argued that the brothers believed Kevin had a gun in his bum bag or fanny pack, saying, Even bad-assed rappers have a right to defend themselves. He sounded like a walrus. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Did, didn't he? <laughs> a walrus with a fancy education. Afterwards, he attacked Kevin Palmer's mental state, saying he was a schizophrenic with substance abuse problems who was itching for a fight. Sure. Victim blaming. Yeah, nice one. Well, I guess that's kind of what defence attorneys do sometimes, huh? They do. Richter told the court that Kevin Palmer went bananas and attacked Jade Lacey. It was enough to muddy the waters and produce some reasonable doubt. The jury was out for just two days before finding Dion guilty of the reduced charge of manslaughter and Jade guilty of the reduced charge of unlawful wounding. Oh, is there any justice money can't buy? In total, Jade got only five years and Dion received 12 years. Both were halved on parole and reduced for time served. 
Many appeals were put forward. All were denied. In fact, one appeal not only failed, it got down another year in prison. <laughs> the brothers' legal defence ended up costing Ken Lacey a whopping $6.2 million. Later, they were also found guilty of the kidnap and assault of Owen Matthews. Six years were added to both their sentences. While in prison, the posh wannabe gangsters got a big wake-up call, Tara. The boys were made to scrub toilets and the shit was beaten out of them most days. After which it was rumoured that Ken Lacey paid members of the Finks and Bandidos bikey gangs $1 million to keep his lads safe. An unnamed source told the Courier-Mail, The Lacey boys are young, slightly built and vulnerable. (laughs) Their high profiles make them prime targets for attack inside jail. Oh, that was hauntingly beautiful. Now rap in that voice. I'm thinking of like one of those 60-year-old career criminals who's been, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's always like a a cigarette or like a cigar or something happening. About 10 years later, in May 2018, a Gold Coast judge jailed 61-year-old Ken Lacey for two and a half years after he pleaded guilty to possessing and supplying cocaine. He was busted with 43 grams of blow. Not sure how many bananas he had. During sentencing in the district court at Southport, the judge was told Ken Lacey had given up drugs after returning from a holiday in Thailand and was in the process of giving his stash away when he was arrested. Ken wrote a letter to the judge saying... If I had my time over again, I would have thrown it out with the rubbish. The court heard Ken turn to drugs after his sons were jailed over the fatal shootings in 2007. His barrister told the court... My client was devastated by his son's offending. It financially ruined him. He was effectively self-medicating. He had enormous damage inflicted on him by the misbehaviour of his sons. Ken Lacey only served three months. Later that year, Jade Lacey was released from prison after serving 11 and a half years and was met by his father, Ken, with whom he had shared a cell. They became little cell buds in jail, huh? Oh, that's nice. Oh, that's very sweet. The first thing Jay did was head straight to the beach and jump into the water to wash all the jail away from him. Dion Lacey has quite a few more years on his sentence and is still behind bars. Whoa, what a story. Yeah, that would make an amazing movie. Real sort of, you know, two hands type deal. Yeah, yeah. I have but one question. Yes? What is Aussie As? Aussie As are tales of criminal stupidity and bloody legends with a quintessentially Australian flavour. Would you like to hear one, Count? <laughs> yes, I would. <laughs> Thanks to Amy Lawler for suggesting this one. Mark Rapley and his wife Chantelle Doyle decided to go surfing at Shelley Beach in Port Macquarie, New South Wales on the morning of Saturday, August 15th this year. They were out catching waves and having a grand old time until a great white shark appeared seemingly out of nowhere and latched onto Chantelle's right calf and the back of her thigh. Chantelle told The Guardian, As I was paddling, something hit me underneath the board with enough thrust to throw me up and off the board. I just thought, whale or shark? And I looked down and there was nothing grey. I felt something grab my leg. I think I yelled, shark, shark, shark! It could have been a submarine or a U-boat. Uh, look, I've actually had like similar things happen out in the water and it's been a dolphin, thank Christ. But uh, there's, a, there's a real scary few seconds when you don't know. 
Mm, and it's and a scary a few seconds when you're Chantel and it actually is a shark. Realizing what was happening to her, her bloody legend of a husband went into superhero mode. He paddled over to her and he started punching the shark. Mark, the shark puncher, said, I was just flailing, Hail Mary punches, and I'm thinking, just get the bloody hell off. I was connecting, but after the first two, it felt ineffectual. The shark's flesh was hard, like a professional boxing bag. According to Lad Bible, Mark launched himself onto the shark's back and kept punching it in the face as hard as he could. When it wouldn't let her go, he punched it in the eyes until it did. Mark told Seven News, When you see the mother of your child, your support and everything that's who you are, you just react. Mark has been hailed as a hero for his life-saving actions, but he's not very comfy with the accolade. He said, two guys paddled behind me straight to water and that's not their wife. I don't like that title, but I would love it bandied around with a collection of people who did an amazing job to keep her alive. Chantel was rushed to hospital. According to The Guardian, the shark bite severed the nerves below her right knee, taking a chunk out of her calf. She's had several operations and it's unclear if she will be able to keep her leg. But Chantel and Mark don't seem too fussed about that. They're just glad that she's alive and they can still be parents to their three-year-old son. How bloody amazing is that? That's pretty amazing. That's pretty incredible. Yeah. she got away. Seriously, uh, some friends of mine have had husbands who would have just headed back in when the shark attacked them. They probably would have said something to them on the way back like, I'll see you on the shore, but don't be too long because you've got to take David to karate class and make my mother a birthday cake. Not every, not every husband is a shark-punching husband, but maybe they all should be. <laughs> you know sharks piss through their skin. Yeah, I piss through your skin. This brings us to the end of the episode. <laughs> but before we go, we'd like to thank some people who took the time to write us some good reviews. So, I mean, on that beautiful note of pissing through skin, thank you to Jack Jones. Uh, our lovely uh, friend, Dobbyak. Dobby! Uh, Rafa135. We've got Balakat3956. Um, extra, extra large historian. We've got Sam Jam G. The Moose and Me. Alicia from OKC. And Book E. Um, we'd also like to thank Lorraine and our Facebook moderating team. You know who else is awesome? Our patrons, we love them. We love them so much we've been holding monthly giveaways. The winner of our August prize, the Bloody Murder Backpack, is Fiona Griffin. Congratulations, Fiona. Our September prize is a Keep Kicking Against the Pricks coffee mug. Present your worldview as you drink your coffee, black like your soul. For a chance to win, be a Bloody Murder patron at a level of $5 or above. Now, we've had a bunch of new bloody legends join our Patreon program, so thank you to Angela Barassa Owens. John Saley, Karen Fielding, Hannah Bordage, Ashley Pearson, Norell O'Connor, Amanda Hens, Haley Rogers, Pam Ellsbury Wilkes, Katrina Askew, and Suzanne Fenner. If you'd like to support us, visit our website. If you just want to buy us a drink, there's a PayPal donate button there too. And who's buying the drinks this week? It's Leela Constable, who wrote, Have a beer on me. Love to shout you a slur, but that's just fucking ridiculous. <laughs> well, thank you Thanks anyway, so Leah. Leah. Leela. Thank you so much, Leela. I've been Barney Black. And I've been Tara Saraband. And this is Bloody Murder.
Review us on Apple Podcasts or our Facebook page or our IMDb page. You don't need to write a well-crafted essay. Just five stars and Hey Baby would still count. And, of course, rate and subscribe. It really helps us punch sharks in the face. And piss through our skins. Ah, follow us through our Facebook page or join our Facebook group. On Twitter, we're at Bloody Murder Pod and Instagram, we're Bloody underscore Murder underscore Podcast. Check out our website, bloodymurderpodcast.com for news, galleries, more episodes and links to our threadless merchandise. Thanks for sticking around and we'll be back soon. Goodbye and adios. And keep kicking against the pricks. Yo, 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 yo. <laughs> got to do some more raps for us. Hey, I've got an interesting fact for you. For you overseas listeners, we have the um, we have a different system of measuring things in Australia. We have the cunt we have the country system. Yep. Uh, that's cunts per dingo, and that's how mm. we measure stuff. Isn't that right? Is, uh, sorry, I forget. Is that um, used for measuring length or speed? Both. Ah, yeah. I'm not a very good runner. I only get like three cunts per dingo. You're when, only when three I'm sprinting. Oh yeah, man. You'd be lucky to get two cunts per dingo now. Me, I can go about 20 cunts per dingo, but that's only if I jump off a cliff. Are, are you trying to, like, have you decided that we get paid every time we say cunt or something? Because it know. seems to be pretty heavy this yeah, episode, and I blame be, you. Yeah, yeah, well, you know, it was a big Aussie ass. Yeah, yeah it, was, it was a big Aussie ass. Yeah. Um, you know you'll get away with it too, really. It'll just be like, oh, that lady just swears. Oh, no. What a cunt she is. And by the way, um, Jaden Dion Lacey, if you are listening to this, don't come at us, please. Um, we know you've served your time. Apparently, they're, they're changed men now. Yeah, I hope so. Like, that's one uh, of the reasons why, you know, I prefer to do overseas cases because they're, they're less likely to come and actually kill us. Whereas you, Aussie boy, I think you've lined us up in the sights of some, some rather, rather despicable and murderous people who have killed before and, well, maybe we'll kill again. They'll kill us. Yeah. It's going to be so meta when someone does a murder podcast about the murder podcast hosts who were murdered. Oh, God, it's only a matter of time, isn't it? <laughs> With us, the way we're going. Well, yeah, anywhere. Much. Anywhere. Actually, yeah, anywhere. Oh, wow. It's not the kind of first anyone wants, though, is it? No. Ken, like Benny Hill, was the son of a milkman. <laughs> Well, the only boy who could ever teach me was the son of a milkman. Yes, he was. Taught me how to milk things. Hey! Woo! Ken was the son of a milkman. Ken! Police raided their homes and busted both their girlfriends for cocaine possession. But the brothers weren't there. Both Jade and Dion had gone to ground. Do you think on the way out the cops like went to went to the one who'd gone to the hairdresser? May I please have your autograph, Miss Jennifer Lopez? <laughs> oh my God, Jennifer Lopez is here, <laughs> and she's got cocaine. Woo! <laughs> Michelle, Michelle, Jennifer Lopez is here. <laughs> I am Michelle. <laughs> okay, so I know that we don't have any actual. Um, like um, examples of, of this uh, beautiful rap career. So I thought I'd write one. Oh, really? <laughs> really quickly and badly. I want to hear it. Yeah, it's so good that I started doing it in front of Justin and he left the room. <laughs> oh, my God. 
<laughs> it cleared a room, okay? It's that fucking good. Uh, it's it's room-clearingly it's good. It's room-clearingly good, like our first season. <laughs> Are you ready? Yes. All right. Yo, 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 go cause massive in the house, yeah. All your haters in the house got potatoes in your mouth. Gonna shoot you till you're better like the nanny Fran Drescher. All you haters in the house got potatoes in your mouth. Gonna shoot you till you're better like the nanny Fran Drescher. Been on my ass like you ain't got no class. I'm from the motherfucking Gold Coast. And I'm gonna make your ass toast. Gonna shoot you in the bum like your mama makes me come. Watching Scarface every fucking day. I'm a good actor like Daniel Day Lewis, full of hubris. <laughs> I'm loving this. <laughs> I'm not going to pay because my daddy paved the way. Bought me suits made of silk with all that cow titty milk. Yeah, I'm the toastess with the mostess. Going to bang your mum like hostess. Cupcakes in your shakes. Strawberry milkshakes. Give me the quakes. (laughs) This is how I talk now. Yo, yo, yo. His name is Barney Black. His ass is full of crack. He likes to wear them jorts like his mama made his shorts. He's going straight to hell because he's using too much cowbell. Were you rapping without me? Yeah, I was rapping about you. Yeah. <laughs> I was rapping about you and jorts. Yeah? yeah? Yo, yo, Nana, I got my dick caught in my spanner. <laughs> I'm wearing my jorts because I sport it fresh. Just like a cow where you get the milk straight from its breast. <laughs> oh, our, our rap battles are something to, it's got to be seen to be believed, but preferably not heard because that shit will hurt your ears. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.